When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Wednesday podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And are you still fake black? Or are you just a white guy who identifies as black, like that dopey white chick from Georgia who identified as Latinx on our Sunday podcast? You are still fake black. Okay, good enough. I'm just checking. Oh, and before I forget, uh, you can reach me at my email. It is miller at millerfrostonline.com. I am officially not on Twitter, but unofficially I am on Twitter. But don't tell Hobo Jack, do not tell him that I'm on Twitter a little bit. Parlor, well, I don't know when that's coming back up, but it's at Miller Frost. And I'm on Gab, but it's at Miller Frost as well. But I'm, I, have, I don't think I've posted anything on Gab yet. I'm just, I logged in, I registered. And I'm just kind of in a holding pattern on social media until Parlor comes back, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And before we dig into anything else, I have to do a correction at the top of the podcast. And no, it's not because I'm going to get sued if I don't. <laughs> so on Sunday's podcast, we were talking a little bit about COVID tattletales, COVID Karen not being happy. And it was a story about an English pub owner who had someone tattletale on him because his daughter was coming to visit, which apparently in England is perfectly fine. She's in his bubble, but this person just kind of snitched on him a couple times, not once, but but I think twice or two or three times. And so we were talking about tattletales and they actually had a, a blurb in the story about how they had set up a hotline in New Zealand and it was so popular, I think it crashed the website or something like that. But I referenced an article that we had read a few months ago about the state of Rhode Island. And I, the comment I made at the time was that how could a state like Rhode Island, which was run by the mafia, how could oh, those people violate the omerta and snitch and be a bunch of tattletales? But on Sunday's podcast, I mistakenly said Connecticut. So those dopes in Connecticut, <laughs> they don't know how to do any of that kind of stuff. It was actually Rhode Island. They are... Tattletales in Rhode Island, not Connecticut. So there, I got that out of my system. And White Boy Malcolm X, I have heard from the Summit Mistress. She's finally catching up on some of the podcasts. She's like at the end of last year, and it's January 13th, so she's got a lot more to go. But she says that she is really excited about those nasty vegan donuts. We talked about the ones that are, the, it's uh, Krispy Kreme is releasing vegan donuts in England. She's very excited about that, but I think she's a little bit nuts because she was very excited about, well, I would say she's very excited about vegan ice cream because we talked about that fake social justice warrior, Colin Kaepernick's, I think that flavor's used jockstrap. I don't know what his stupid flavor is, but he's coming out with a, a Ben and Jerry's flavor of vegan ice cream. And apparently, I don't know if she's excited about that ice cream, but she just likes vegan ice cream in general, which I would think would be disgusting. And she also... White Boy Malcolm X, she also corrected me about the stories we've been doing out of Louisiana. Her excuse, (laughs) I can't think of a better way to phrase it. Her excuse about these, because she's from Louisiana, folks. Her excuse is that a lot of our Louisiana stories are based up in Monroe, Louisiana. And she says that is practically in Arkansas. She called them a bunch of hillbilly Yankees. (laughs) I don't know what's worse, being from uh, Louisiana or from Arkansas. And I only said that just to tweak the Summit Mistress. So before I even dig in, one more thing before I dig in, folks. If you tuned in, because we end our program with a smoking gun story, I have to say I have been going to the smoking gun all morning, hoping that something would pop up that was worth reporting. Nothing, nothing. So I don't know how we're going to end the show. We are starting with gay, though. Don't worry about that, white boy Malcolm X. But there is no smoking gun in the podcast today. But here... This is from The Hill, 
And this is what we're starting off with. Anderson Cooper, Miss Cooper, being gay made me a better person and it made me a better reporter. Good God. CNN anchor Anderson Cooper says he believes that growing up gay gave him an outsider's perspective that has made him a better person and journalist. He didn't grow up gay. He grew up closeted gay because I don't think he came out until uh, when he came out at 45. That queen did not come out of the closet until she was middle-aged. She's talking about growing up gay. I think that being gay is one of the great blessings of my life, Cooper said, during a Q&A on CNN's Full Circle released on Monday. It made me a better person, and it's made me a better reporter. Miss Cooper, girlfriend, you are a crappy reporter. I hate to break it to you. You are a hysterical drama queen. So if that's better, God help us if you had been straight. When you feel, especially when you grow up, kind of feeling like you're on the outside of things and you're kind of an observer to things or not necessarily in the mainstream, you see society from a slightly different view. And I think that can be very valuable and can impact how you treat other people and how you see things he continued. Asked how he learned to accept being gay and how old he was at the time, Cooper said that he was, listen to this white boy, Malcolm X, six or seven years old when he realized something was up. And I find that hard to believe, folks. White boy, Malcolm X, when, sir, did you think or figure out that you were a big old queen? Eleven. You say eleven. Around eleven. Okay, around eleven. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like, I don't know, I'm trying to look back. I'm 51. For Christmas sake, how am I supposed to remember this? I would say, yeah, I would say around 12-ish. Junior high school, I think, was about it. I mean, you know, it's it, for me, it's like, what, what is sexual orientation? It's about sexual attraction. And, you know, so you're kind of entering into puberty, right? When those sorts of things start to, to, to pop up. No pun intended. But, I, I, you know, Cooper is like six or seven years old. And he's like, I like the other little boys. <laughs> when I was six or seven years old, folks... The last thing I was doing was looking at another little boy and going, yeah, I think that's what I would rather go out with than the other little girls. <laughs> and we're around, what is he, 50, um, 53. He is 53 officially. So I, we're around the same age. We had definitely had very different lives growing up, I'm sure, if he was six or seven thinking those things. The CNN anchor said that he told friends in high school and college about his sexuality, but when he, quote, really truly accepted it, and not just accepted it, but fully embraced it and came around to really loving the fact that I was gay, would probably be right after college. A lot of the things I wanted to do at the time, you couldn't be gay. I was interested in joining the military. <laughs> you see, White Boy Malcolm X, that queen in the army. Me either. You couldn't be gay, Cooper said. I felt like there were a lot of places that I would be limited in traveling to for safety reasons. I just felt like there were a lot of limitations on it, and it wasn't what I envisioned for my life. Or I imagined a family and getting married and all those things, which weren't possible at the time. But Cooper, who attended Yale University, which explains quite a lot, said that he realized after graduating that I don't want to waste any more time worrying about this or sort of wishing I was some other way. It's enabled me to love the people that I've loved and have the life that I've had, so I'm very blessed. So there you go, folks. Miss Cooper. Being gay has made her a a better person. And I have to say, on uh, on that front, well, I don't say it's made me a better person. I just kind of joke. Thank God, I thank God every day that I'm gay. <laughs> because some of that crap you straight men have to put up with. I am, well... I guess I have to put up with Queen, so I guess I, you know, you're screwed either way, gentlemen. You are screwed either way. Enough of Miss Cooper. Moving on. It's a New York Post article. Racism victims should drop acid ecstasy to reduce trauma study. There may not be a magic pill for curing racism, but scientists have found that dropping LSD, magic mushrooms, ecstasy, or other psychedelics can potentially alleviate the trauma caused by racial discrimination. Well, hell, I would just give them heroin. That really makes all the problems in life go away. Currently, there are no empirically supported treatments specifically for racial trauma, said Dr. Monica Williams, and Monica has two ends, of the University of Ottawa. So this nuttiness is coming out of Canada. 
No surprise there. This study shows that psychedelics can be an important avenue for healing. She co-authored the trippy research published in the journal Drugs, Education, Prevention, and Policy. To test out the mind-bending theory, Williams and other research enlisted 313 people. Hmm, they're having fun in Canada who reported taking a psychedelic drug in the past that they felt helped mitigate the challenging effects of ethnic discrimination per the study. Participants identified, so I guess they technically did not have to be that color, they just identified as black, Asian, Latino, and if you are a, a snooty white liberal, they meant to say Latinx, Native American or Indigenous Canadian, Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. The group completed a survey on their experiences with racial trauma, which included unfair treatment by neighbors. And if you don't know what that looks like, folks, I would think of the home of systemic racism and white supremacy, the city of San Francisco, where white liberals call the police on their minority neighbors for doing perfectly legal things, which is why they have the Karen law in San Francisco. Or you might think of the city of Philadelphia, the home of brotherly love, or the city of brotherly love, rather, where white queens are systemically racist towards their BIPOC counterparts in the LGBTQ plus community. Okay, let's pick that back up at the top. The group completed a survey on their experiences with racial trauma, which included unfair treatment by neighbors, which we just discussed, teachers and bosses, false accusations of unethical behavior and physical violence, according to Ohio State News at Ohio State University. Many reported wanting to chastise someone over racist acts, but kept quiet instead per the study. Unlike, for example, the gentleman with the can of hard iced tea who beat that dumb white cracker for using the N-word one time too many. Not everyone experiences every form of racial trauma, but certainly people of color are experiencing a lot of these different types of discrimination on a regular basis, said Alan Davis, the study's co-lead author and an assistant professor of social work at Ohio State University. White boy Malcolm X, that is horrible. That must be what they call white privilege, folks, because I guess white people do not do not deal with unfair treatment by neighbors, their teachers, their bosses. They do not have false accusations of unethical behavior and physical violence directed towards them. So, oof, that is, now I see what they're talking about, white boy. <laughs> uh, man, I tell you, I love it. I love it when the things that all of us go through, they somehow have to go through it worse than the rest of us. I guess they're disproportionately affected by unfair treatment by neighbors and than white people are. Anyway, picking back up. So in addition to depression and anxiety, we were asking whether participants had symptoms of race-based PTSD. And folks, if you need to know what would trigger PTSD, it would be hearing, for example, the phrase blue lives matter. The subjects were then asked about the short and long-term effects of their aforementioned psychotropic experiences which occurred anywhere from several months to more than 10 years prior to the experiment. Participants described the intensity of anxiety and other reactions to racism in the 30 days before or after taking the drugs. Researchers, th those folks in Canada, damn, you folks are just... <laughs> Let's do a study and ask people completely stoned out of their mind how they felt. Mercy. Researchers found that their experience with psychedelic drugs was so powerful that they could recall and report on changes in symptoms from racial trauma that they had experienced in their lives, and they remembered it having a significant reduction in their mental health problems afterwards, said Davis. Some might balk at the idea of mending mental wounds via a psychotropic salve, probably racists. However, microdoses of hallucinogens have been shown to potentially reduce the effects of ailments ranging from depression to Alzheimer's. As such, many states are working towards decriminalizing the drugs, with Oregon, that hot mess of a state, becoming the first to legalize psychedelic mushrooms last month. Hmm. There you go, folks. So they are... They got a bunch of druggies up in Canada, and they're like, here's some LSD... <laughs> White Boy Malcolm X, do you think that would work for PTSD associated with homophobia? Well, yes, I guess we could try. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that crap. I've done, and I've done 
magic mushrooms. God, it's been like 30 years ago. I think I tried magic. It didn't do a damn thing for me, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've never done LSD or any of that other crap. I guess I'm missing out on stuff. This is a Fox 11 LA story. And how's this for a headline? Super spreader swinger party busted in South LA. And no, it is not Louisiana. We have already talked about the Louisiana Swingers Party being a super spreader event. People going to New Orleans and doing the nasty with each other and catching the COVID. And so I guess they're doing that now in Los Angeles. It was advertised as a swingers party. However, they were swapping more than just spouses. I don't even want to know. Fox 11 Investigates has been showing Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department breaking up super spreader events over the last several weeks. But we didn't see this twist coming. An adults-only super spreader event, and I sure as hell hope it was only adults with what they were doing, got busted at a warehouse in South Central Los Angeles over the weekend. This time, it wasn't teenagers and young people. It was older, middle-aged partygoers. <laughs> the party is over, an LASD deputy told partygoers over the loudspeakers. LASD's super spreader task force detained and cited... More than a couple hundred people. White boy Malcolm X. Man, oh man, can you imagine being those cops and you show up to a swingers party with several hundred people and they're probably all naked and they're probably all doing whatever with each other and the lights come on and you got a bunch of God knows what middle-aged people. <laughs> I What do you know what I picture? I picture like... You ever been to like Las Vegas and just people watched? That is what I imagine. <laughs> but naked. Naked and like groping on each other. And those poor cops are there. And all these people like stop doing the nasty and they stand up and you're like, Ugh, I will never unsee this hell ever again. <laughs> man, oh man. You people, you horny people in your swingers party in the COVID. Just settle down. What do we have? We had the PSA from... Uh, from the BBC, play with yourself and use sex toys. <laughs> Do these pics prove that Barbie is a lesbian? I tell you what, Barbie is all over the place. I mean, she is about the most worthless doll ever. I mean, she has been around. That old hag has been around forever. She has just been doing whatever in Malibu with Ken and that uh, Corvette of hers. But man, they have been they've been rolling this chick out. First, it was the the social justice crap, and she was doing all this white privilege, white guilt crap. That was a couple months ago, and now apparently, she is a lesbian. Come out, Barbie! Let's go party. Social media, of course, is swooning over images of Barbie buddying up to a doll of an iconic fashion designer and LGBTQ ally, Amy Song, and I have no idea who she is. The pics first surfaced in 2017 as part of a campaign to raise LGBTQ awareness. And I don't know about you folks, but I got all the LGBTQ awareness I would want, and then some, but went viral recently with Twitter rooting for the same-sex pairing. So this three-year-old picture of a Barbie doll and a doll of Amy Song is going viral. Those people on Twitter got nothing better to do than look at lesbian dolls. Barbie creator Mattel had originally devised the collaboration as a way to promote Song's ubiquitous Love Win shirts, which raise funds to help LGBTQ youth in crisis. As such, the photos show Barbie and a plastic facsimile of Song sitting together on a bed and other relationship-like activities while sporting her signature couture. I guess not flannel shirts. Social media deemed the photo op irrefutable proof. Irrefutable proof, white by Malcolm X. That the Mattel mascot is gay. Hmm. I don't know about that, folks. I mean, what about Ken? I mean, is that just, is he like, like a fake? Well, he, yeah, I, I, the rumors are he's gay. Yes, that is true, white boy Malcolm X. I don't know. I mean, she technically, I mean, what if she's still banging Ken? She could, she could be bisexual, right? And what do we say about bisexuals here on the Middle of Raw show? They'll do anyone, right? So she could be doing... An Amy Song doll, and she could be doing a Ken doll. <laughs> she could also be a member of the questioning community. She's maybe not sure. Maybe she just she likes Ken, and she likes what Ken has to offer, even though there's nothing down there. She likes it, but you know, 
she could just be dabbling. So that could be part of the questioning community or she could be pansexual. And if you don't know what a pansexual is, that's just a snooty way of saying bisexual. Man, I tell you what, this is though, white boy Malcolm X, this, this is the, this is the quintessential example of white privilege because I guarantee you folks, I mean, you look, Every article we read in the social justice pile is about how BIPOC has been disproportionately affected by about everything life has to offer, and especially the COVID. And white people are sitting around (laughs) wondering whether Barbie is a lesbian. (laughs) You people on Twitter need to get a life. You people worrying about a doll's sexual orientation. (laughs) Get out of your mother's basement and and I don't know, do some adulting, but stop it. This is a Daily Caller story. I don't even know if I want to read this article because it has to do with that the Capitol Hill riot last week. And I'll just read you the headline. Ex-wife reportedly turns in former spouse after seeing him in photos of Capitol Hill riot. What do I always say? Hell hath no fury like a woman or a queen. <laughs> I bet she couldn't wait to tattletale on him. It's like, I got you, you bastard. Anyway, that's I'm just going to read this article. I'll tell you what, though. I will say this. I will say this about the, uh, the riot. Folks, you can go and riot and burn and destroy everyone else's lives and create all sorts of mayhem in flyover country, but do not. I repeat, do not mess with the ruling class because they will come at you six ways to Sunday. I want to read that. This is a pink news story. And how is this for a headline? Golf star Justin Thomas caught saying terrible homophobic slur at Century Tournament of Champions. This guy, white boy Malcolm X, said a naughty word. American golf star and world number three Justin Thomas has been forced to apologize after blurting out a homophobic slur live on air at the Century Tournament of Champions. On Saturday, during the third round of the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii, Thomas missed a five-foot putt on the fourth hole. As he missed, the television microphone picked up his voice and he muttered, Faggot. (sighs) Oh my, that is a naughty word, Justin. Sports Media LGBT+, a network group... Oh! White Boy Malcolm X, they forgot the cue. They're just LGBT+. plus. They're not messing with the questioning community. A network group that advocates for inclusion in both our own industry and across sport in general responded to the clip on social media. The organization wrote on Twitter, the casual use of anti-gay language in sports, usually without homophobic intent, is a major reason why many athletes and coaches who are LGBT+, don't feel they would be welcome if they came out. Afterwards, Justin Thomas, 27, oh, so he's a dopey millennial, apologized for the homophobic slur while speaking to Golf Channel. According to Reuters, he said, and folks, I gotta tell you, I love it when someone gets caught doing something they shouldn't. I love how they just, it's like a media 101 playbook. I get their handlers like, okay, just say this. And it's the same thing. They say the same thing over and over and over again. They all say the same thing. And so let's hear his version of, wow, I can't believe I did that. There's just no excuse. No, Justin, there isn't. There's absolutely, if you want to say faggot, you can just say queen and it's it's perfectly fine. Although I don't really get vexed over the word faggot. Either. <laughs> I'm not that kind of queen that I get upset about a little name calling. There's just no excuse. There's absolutely no reason for me to say anything like that. It's terrible. It's not the kind of person that I am. Well, apparently you are, because you said it. I need to do better, he added. Yes, you do. I deeply apologize to anyone and everyone who I offended, and I'll be better because of it. He also told White Boy Malcolm X, were you offended at that? Because I, I, I don't give a crap. I got bigger fish to fry than some stupid millennial golfer who mutters the word faggot. You were not offended either. Okay, I'm just checking. He also told BBC Sport, It's inexcusable. I'm an adult. I'm a grown man, but you're a millennial, Justin, so you're probably living in your mother's basement. There's absolutely no reason for me to say anything like that. It's terrible. I'm extremely embarrassed. It's not. And here we go with this crap. It's not who I am. Yes, you are. 
it's not the kind of person that I am or anything that I do. Unfortunately, I did it and I have to own up to it. And I'm very apologetic. I'm sure you are, princess. I am sure you are. Well, why going back on Max? I, the question I have, because we had that sports broadcaster and he talked about the, what the, the faggiest town or the faggiest city or the gayest city, whatever he said. And I was like, okay, what's the city? What's the, you know, the gayest city in the world or what have you? I was like, is it San Francisco? Is it New York? Is it Rio de Janeiro? Is it Paris? I, he wouldn't answer the question because he never, never quantified what it was. And so this guy is golfing. He is out on the course all by himself. It's him, his club, and the ball. And he hits the ball and he misses and he mutters faggot. So who's the faggot? <laughs> Is the golf ball the faggot? Is the golf club the faggot? Or is he just debasing himself and calling himself a faggot? So I don't know who the faggot is in this case. (laughs) Justin, if you are listening to this podcast of the Miller Frost Show, email me, miller at millerfrostonline.com and let me know who the faggot is. And it's okay, girlfriend. I am not upset. White boy Malcolm X, you were not upset. We could care less. If you want to mutter the word faggot, and I'll give you a special gay dispensation, you can say it every every so often. Don't say too much, because the other folks, those other queens will get really upset. But if you want to say it, you can say Miller said it was okay. And, you know, they hate me anyway. <laughs> Uh-oh. Speaking of people saying inappropriate things, so we had a dopey millennial guy, and now we've got NASCAR driver Haley Deegan in hot water after using slur. So we have a dopey chick, white boy Malcolm X. They have women in NASCAR. No, I do not think she drives slow in the fast lane. (laughs) You're a worse sexist than I am. And I'm not really even a sexist. I just pick on everyone. So I give it to the dopey guys. I give it to the dopey girls. But you're going to catch grief from me if you do something stupid. NASCAR driver Haley Deacon will be required to undergo sensitivity training after calling an opponent a retard. (laughs) Retard! During a virtual race over the weekend, the company announced. And I don't know where to begin with that. What is the point of a NASCAR driver in a virtual race, White Boy Malcolm X? I mean, if the NBA can play basketball and if the NFL can play football... I would think that if you are a NASCAR driver, that you can drive a car and you ain't going to catch the COVID from anyone else. You're in the car all by yourself, but I guess they're doing virtual races. And God knows what. Can you imagine what NASCAR sensitivity training is? Especially after like the fake noose and all the Confederate flags. Man, Haley, honey, you are in for a world of hurt, let me tell you. The 19-year-old, so this is a Gen Z dopey chick. Used the word Sunday night after her car, her virtual car, was bumped in iRacing, a popular racing simulation that is sometimes broadcast live by professional drivers. It was inappropriate slang and a stupid thing to do, Deegan said in a statement Sunday. I apologize to everyone who was offended by it. There's no excuse for it, and I know I have to do better for my sponsor and my fans. Well, Haley, you should have said something like... It is not who I am. It's not the kind of person that I am or anything that I do. Whatever that dopey guy, Justin Thomas, said. What? No, she should not have called him a faggot. (laughs) Faggot is worse than retard. Don't you know in the hierarchy of things, you're not supposed to say either of them. That. You need sensitivity training, my friend. Considered a rising star in the sport. So a 19-year-old... Chick, who throws around the word retard, is a rising star in NASCAR, Deegan in 2018. So, holy crap, she was like 17 years old. Is she allowed to drive? Became the first woman to win a race in NASCAR's K&N Pro Series West. The California native competes with Ford Racing Development in mostly lower-level NASCAR series. This chick is from California. She's 19 years old. You would think that the indoctrination in California would teach her never to say a word like that unless she was referring to a Republican. During another iRacing event in April, fellow NASCAR driver Kyle Larson was suspended indefinitely after using a racial slur. Larson, who also underwent sensitivity training, was fired by Chip Ganassi Racing following his incident. I wonder what word that was. He was reinstated in October and signed with Hendrick Motorsports, who apparently endorses racists. Deegan will need to complete her sensitivity training before the 2021 season, which begins in February, NASCAR said. 
Good God. It's not who I am. I'm really sorry. Okay. Okay, then. This is from the College Fix. I tell you what. These people at the College Fix, I can only imagine what their work schedules are trying to keep up with the nuttiness going on in college campuses these days. (laughs) Even if they're virtual, they're still just as crazy. How's this for a headline? It's a local story, White Boy Malcolm X. Emerson College activists demand student paper be defunded due to racism, ableism. And if you don't know what ableism is, folks, I think that is, is isn't that like if... If you're not in a wheelchair and you pick on people who are in wheelchairs, that you're an ableist or something like that. Yeah, that's like, I don't know. I don't know what I, God knows. Everything's an ism these days. So I'm going to go with that as a um, definition. Student activists, and let's face it, folks, who isn't these days, at Massachusetts's Pricey Emerson College recently demanded the school's student paper be totally defunded, claiming it is racist ableist, and that its employees engage in discrimination. The activist so-called an act of acknowledgement for the Berkeley Beacon. God, those stupid idiots at Emerson College. <laughs> Trying to copy Berkeley. You ain't, you ain't Berkeley, let me tell you, folks. Demanded that the paper publicly apologize to every marginalized reporter who the Beacon has hurt and also educate prospective students about its racist and ableist past. The Beacon reports the act followed a semester of upheaval over an article which allegedly uplifted a white student's experience with Black Lives Matter protests but failed to offer a student of color's perspectives. Well, in all fairness, folks, let's face it, BLM, Black Lives Matter, is predominantly populated with hysterical white millennial women. So to say that, who, who, except for, that's right, Pittsburgh. Thank you, White Boy Malcolm X. Except in Pittsburgh, where they actually have black people and Black Lives Matter. And we have documented that on this program before. But for the most part, if you are watching a, a BLM protest, you are watching a bunch of hysterical white millennial women and their dopey millennial boyfriends who are only there to make her happy. So she gives him a blow job later. So I don't know what they're upset about. Because I would think that would be the typical experience for a Black Lives Matter protest, that of a white person. Fifteen Beacon staffers resigned over the article. Damn, now that is one hell of a Gen Z temper tantrum. And the campus group protesting oppression with educational reform or power said the story undermined the BLM movement. I guess the rioting didn't do that on its own. A former Beacon staffer claimed the paper doesn't care about amplifying marginalized voices or creating an inclusive or safe environment and added it upholds a toxic newsboys club environment. Other demands from the act, because that is not enough, disbanding is not enough. A new publication should be created from the ashes of the Beacon. The new Beacon should be approved by SGA, which I'm assuming is the Student Government Association, and a working group composed of marginalized students from Power Access, which I am assuming is another another one of these hysterical leftist complaining groups and other intercultural organizations. God, that, that white boy Malcolm X, can you see those folks sitting around a table together? <laughs> a pissing contest of grievances. Man, the new publication will have mandatory... It's a long list of stuff. Anti-racist, anti-ableist, anti-sexist, anti-objectivity, so you have to be biased, and all anti-forms of oppression resources such as self-help books and mandatory attendance for open cultural events. <laughs> That's a full-time job. How are these people going to do their homework? Like, I want to join the student newspaper. I got to go to my anti-racist class. And I have to go to my anti-sexist class. And I have to go to my anti-ableist class. And I got like four cultural events I got to go to. And they're just going to complain because I'm white. And oh, they're just going to beat me up. I won't go. <laughs> In this new publication, any editor or any reporter that is racist, ableist, or reinforces any type of oppression in an article or through a verbal online conversation is put on probation. So if you walk in, folks, and say, I can't wait to go shopping. It's Black Friday. Boom. You are done. You're on probation. If the reporter does not make an effort to re-educate themselves during their probationary period, probably includes reading White Fragility 10 times, 
they are removed from the beacon and can only rejoin in a year's time. Well, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, why even have them back if they are identified as racist, ableist, or oppressors, and they have not bothered to re-educate themselves? These people are just asking for trouble. Man, and this this article goes on for a bit, and I'm not going to read it because I can only deal with these hysterical leftist college kids for so long. I'll tell you what, White Boy Malcolm X, I do not know what these kids are going to do when they hit the real world. Well, yes, I suppose the real world is turning into a college campus. <laughs> never mind, folks. Never mind. That's right. Uh, White Boy Malcolm X has a point. They'll just carry on like they've been carrying on because everyone wants to just, you know, bend over backwards to placate these spoiled brats. This is from Town Hall, and here's the headline. Why a white mother forced her children to pray to a black woman on social media. It didn't go over well. And Town Hall, this is a commentary, so this is not like a traditional news story I would read, but I have to say, whoever wrote this, I just kind of like what they had to say, so I'm reading it. White liberals are the worst. (laughs) The ideology was already insufferable. Amen, sister. But the antics of this annoying slice of America just makes everything more combustible. First, they think that their useless college degrees give them a badge to become the cultural appropriation police. Yeah, they get to be the protectors of communities of color in this regard because that's not paternalistic, problematic, or wholly inappropriate at all, right? Second, the overreaction to everything within the woke paradigm makes already annoying people seem like total aliens. The lengths to which these white people will go to prove that they're not really white And if you don't know what that is, folks, you should listen to Sunday's podcast where we had a fake redneck white woman from Georgia who was telling everyone she was Latinx. And you know, folks, if someone's going around calling themselves Latinx, they're just, they're fake Latinx. (laughs) They're a fake Latino or fake Latina because only white liberals, dopey white liberals use the term Latinx. Anyway, let's redo that sentence. The lengths to which these white people will go to prove that they're not really white within socio-political constructs is irrational and awkward. It's a spectacle to watch for sure. The best part is that activists who are truly in the black and Latino communities laugh at this stuff. Yes, they do. On TikTok, some white mother forced her kids to pray to black women since Joe Biden is president and Donald Trump is no longer or something. This slice of America booted Trump, so pray, kids. Pray. Actually, it's a bit more nuanced, lady. It was a combination of rich white liberals and white working-class voters coming out against Trump. The latter group was a marginal shift, but such shifts can land you in the political hurt box. Anyways, it also was, folks. It was a lot of suitcases full of random ballots. Anyway, here's more on this odd prayer circle, which later forced the mother to take it down after... Shocker, a whole host of people found it insincere and problematic. And this is from the New York Post. In a video, and you know, folks, she was just, she was just virtue signaling. She was like, get out there, kids. I got to make all my other white liberal friends think I'm woke. And you wonder, folks, before I even start on this from the New York Post, you wonder why I say I just want to punch people from TikTok in the face. In a video liked more than 13 million times before disappearing from the platform, Justine Champion, dubbed at Teeny Champ on TikTok, drew both praise and criticism for her unorthodox dogma. The footage originally posted on December 30th shows Champion with her four young sons on an outdoor playset. She's got four, four sons, white boy Malcolm X. This dopey white liberal chick is breeding. She's got four kids and bless their poor hearts. And I hope she's rich because that is going to be a lot of therapy and that ain't cheap. Me teaching my white boys how to behave, retexts on the clip. Black women are the reason Donald Trump is no longer going to be our president, she says, facing the camera, while her sons bow amid giggles. Not everyone, though, found Champion Sermon sincere. I'm a woman of color and agreed, commented one TikTok user, according to Daily Mail. But it's annoying when people make these videos just for clout and not because they generally agreed. (laughs) I am done reading this anyway. Mercy. You dopey white people out there with your virtue signaling, dragging your kids into it. 
Okay. God help those kids. This is a Washington Examiner story. Man, how's this for a headline? Measure creating reparations committee advances at Illinois State House. Mike by Malcolm X. I didn't think that Illinois was a slave state. Or am I wrong? Well, I know I'm right. I just like, why the hell are they looking at reparations? It's not like they had any slaves up there, but those people in Illinois. Okay, then. A measure advancing at the Illinois State House could create a commission to investigate reparations for communities impacted by slavery. There is. I have lived in Chicago twice. That state is a raging dumpster fire. Let me tell you, they are, they are broke and they are so in debt, they have no way, I don't think, to get out of that. And they are losing population. People are like, well, it's not my personal debt, and I'm going to let some other sucker pay that tab. I am out of here. I'm going to go live in a state that is not run by a bunch of lunatics. <laughs> they got a lot of problems, but this is the hill they want to die on. House Bill 5024, sponsor State Representative Will Davis, a Democrat from Hazelcrest, advanced his measure out of the House State Government Committee Saturday. The bill would create a committee to look at the broader issue of reparations for the black community, and it's capital B black folks, so you know they're real black, versus writing a bill that would say this specifically is what it would do or this is what would be owed or paid back to individuals impacted by slavery. The thought was, let's put a group together. Let's put a commission together, Davis said. So they're not actually paying them out just yet, but they want to take a look. And I don't know who's left alive in Chicago or in Illinois that would be impacted by slavery. Hmm. There are a number of national experts and scholars that have studied this issue. Yes, that we know. That has put a lot of time and energy into this conversation that we could bring in, that we could make part of this discussion, so it would be one that is very well informed, Davis said. State Representative Jeff Keicher, who is a Republican from Sycamore, asked to amend the measure to take into consideration Native Americans in the tribal lands of his district. <laughs> He's trying to sneak in those Native Americans, just sliding them right in there. It is specific to the title of the commission, African Descent Citizens Reparations Commission. Would you consider striking reparations in light of Native American concerns that might be out there? Unfortunately, I think the answer to your question is probably going to be no, Davis said. <laughs> yes, he did, noting that there have been considerations for Native Americans. You see proliferation for casinos that are specific to Native American communities, Davis said. It was something that was offered to them to repair the relationship. <laughs> I can't point to something that was given to African Americans in the same veins. I could just see that. You Native Americans are bitching and complaining. Here you go. Here's a, here's a pushing a casino at you. Right? Here you go. Maybe they could give that to the capital B black people. Okay, there's that. Can you imagine White by Malcolm X? Because, folks, I don't know if you know this, but there is an enormous, an enormous, well, if I were a white liberal, I would say Latinx. Latino population in in and around Chicago, and I haven't been out into the hinterland in outside of Chicago much, but in Chicago proper, there are a lot of Latinos. And can you see them sitting around in Chicago and they get the bill to, <laughs> for reparations for black people? They're like, what the hell? We had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Why we got to pay for it? But pay you will. Pay you will, folks. Pay you will. This is a white boy Malcolm X. We are almost done. Two more stories. I wanted to keep this one short, folks. So keep doing these hour shows and it's killing me. We'll do a long show on Sunday when we have the new microphone. Well, I got the new microphone. I just don't have anything to plug it into yet, but we're going to do that, I think, on Saturday, but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, how's this for a headline, folks? This is from the Daily Mail. West Ham. And if you don't know what West Ham is, no, it is not a food. It is a soccer team. I know White Boy Malcolm. White Boy Malcolm X is just, his eyes just like popped up. He's like, oh, soccer team. Huh. Listen to this headline. West Ham appoints co-owner David Sullivan's ex-porn star partner, 55, to the club's board. And I have to say, I don't know anything about her or him, but that has got to be the best job ever, being on the board of a European soccer team. Would you not agree, White Boy Malcolm X? I knew you. I didn't even have to ask that question. 
West Ham have appointed Eve Vorley, a director of X-rated films such as Lesbian Student Nurses and Horny Housewives on the job <laughs> to their board. Mercy. Vorley, whose real name is Emma Benton Hughes, is the partner of West Ham's co-chairman David Sullivan and has been pictured at the London Stadium watching the Hammers in action on numerous occasions. So Wipo Malcolm X, this team of, I suspect, young soccer studs is called the Hammers. Who would have thought? That is actually a damn good name. Now she has been named as a director at the club who are 10th in the Premier League standings. So not a very good team, but they're still out there. The 55-year-old Vorley was a page three girl and involved in a number of adult films in the late 90s and early 2000s. She starred in films. So she is not just a director. She is an actress. She starred in films such as Lesbian Nurses, Electric Blue, Nude Wives, Private Parts, and Naked Neighbors, and directed films including Horny Housewives on the Job and Sex Mad Secretaries. <laughs> Speaking of her career in the adult entertainment industry, Benton Hughes said, When my husband left me, the house was repossessed, and I was left with a cardboard box full of clothes and a bed. And that reminds me, White Boy Malcolm X, because we had a story, I think a few months back, some woman was forced to uh, to go onto OnlyFans and, and sell pictures of herself or what have you to raise money because her dopey husband left. And so this one's another one that went into, well, they don't call it the porn industry anymore. It's adult entertainment. I swore I'd never rely on a man again, and I've stuck by that. Good for you, honey. I have sworn the exact same thing, so I'm not judging that at all. Anyway, picking up on her quote, I've enjoyed being able to help my family, but I've been very businesslike about it. The adult entertainment industry is where her partner Sullivan made his money. In the Sunday Times Rich List, Sullivan's estimated wealth came in at 1.1 billion pounds. He also has a vast property portfolio. So white boy Malcolm X. So she is a director and a porn actress or an adult entertainment actress, if I get the uh, lingo correctly. And this guy... This guy has also made 1.1 billion pounds off of people having sex on camera. Damn. Vorley has been appointed a director at West Ham alongside Sullivan's son, Dave. And White Boy Malcolm X, look at Dave. <laughs> oh, not a bad looking kid. Sullivan's other son, Jack, is currently the managing director at West Ham's women's team. So you got the girlfriend... The wife, she's strutting around. You know she's in the locker room. You got his son, Dave. I wonder if he's strutting around the locker room. He does look a little prissy, but I, I don't know. I'm just saying. And you've got the other son. He is over at the women's team. I wonder if he's in the locker room. Man, that whole family's probably running around enjoying all that eye candy. Not that I'm judging that. Sullivan, alongside David Gold and Karen Brady, oversaw a takeover of West Ham back in 2010. Gold's businesses include Ann Summers, the retailer specializing in sex toys and lingerie, and another lingerie chain, because one isn't enough, Knickerbox. They are now run by his daughter Jacqueline, who is estimated to be worth £470 million, making her the 16th richest woman in Britain. So that folks, is a porn club. It is owned by a bunch of pornographers and sex toys people. Those soccer boys are probably like, I hope we get a discount on all that stuff, get their girlfriends and boyfriends lingerie. And our last story. I warn you folks, so don't, do not get butthurt about this. It is not a smoking gun story. It's, um, well, let's just dig in and see how this is. Bozo burglars bust themselves by butt-dialing cops during break-in. It may be time for these two outlaws to find a new line of work. In Staffordshire, England, a pair... So these are British idiots. A pair of men were handily apprehended by police on January 6th after one of the men accidentally dialed 999, the British equivalent of 911, from a cell phone in his pocket during their alleged break-in. Local police chief John Owen later dubbed the men the world's unluckiest burglars on Twitter comparing them to the calamitous crooks of the 1990 classic Home Alone, played by Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. I think we have just arrested the world's unluckiest burglars, Chief Inspector Owen tweeted, first reported by LAD Bible. Whilst committing... <laughs> you know it's the British, folks. Whilst committing a burglary, 
One of the bungle burglars had accidentally sat on his phone and dialed 999, he explained. We received a call detailing all of their antics up to the point of hearing our patrols arrive to arrest them. And this this is probably the only reason I printed the story out because you're like, eh, Miller, you could do better. I know, I know. You don't have to tell me. But here, we'll just do this. These aren't the first to be digitally dragged for their criminal folly. In 2017, so yes, I know it's a little old, but wait for it. The Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office in Florida, so yes, it's kind of a Florida story, shared the hapless tale of Chandler Ridge Carlisle, then 18, who was caught for stealing a cell phone by answering a FaceTime call from the police via an anonymous number on the mobile device in question. So this dopey Floridian, Chandler Ridge Carlisle at 18, steals a phone and gets a FaceTime request and answers it. Uh, idiot. The clever copper quickly snapped a screenshot of the culprit's face before they hung up. Carlisle was swiftly identified and brought to the station under charges of grand theft, which I am assuming in Florida is a misdemeanor. Anyway, that's it. I, I warned you folks, it is not the smoking gun, but I, I will hopefully have a delightful smoking gun story for you this coming Sunday. So let's go ahead and plug pull this puppy. We are out of stories and out of time. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us today on another edition of the Miller Frost podcast. I am Miller Frost here with white boy Malcolm X, who is, continues to be, he continues to be fake black folks. He is not just a pasty white guy identifying as black. He is truly full on fake black. That's the way he is. That's the way he will always be. Remember, you can reach me at my email, miller at millerfrostonline.com. Hopefully, Parler is back up and I can begin. I guess it's not tweeting there, but whatever they call it there, here soon. And we look forward to having you back joining us again on Sunday. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your week and a great start to your weekend. And we'll see you back here soon. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.